When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Friday and welcome here to another edition of Huskerline Headlines. We are less than a week away from Nebraska at Minnesota. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, as we do every week, we bring you the top headlines here uh, from Husker Nation. Later in the show, though, we will hear from Jim Rose as well, as he always brings great insight and analysis. But let's get right to it. Headline number one, we had our press conference here on Friday with Matt Rule, about eight players but we got a depth chart. And I think for a lot of people, it was just interesting to see because, you know, is a real true view of what this roster is going to look like at with Matt Rule. Um, let's first talk, Steve Sipple, on the offense. Okay. Um, some of the things that jumped out to you on this first depth chart we got from Matt Rule. Well, the first thing is I think you got to point out the veteran nature of this team because that was a that was some something of a theme today as Matt Rule addressed the media core and several players. I mean, this this is an offense, Sean, with six junior starters and two senior starters. Okay, that's eight upperclassmen starters. It's not a, and these guys are most of them are holdover players from the previous staff, so that jumped out at me. But the biggest pure personnel move that jumps out at, at me, I, I got to think you would agree with this, Sean, is the number three running back, Anthony Grant. There's no ors on there. No, I mean, Anthony Grant is number three. They didn't even try to soft land that, no. you know, and say Ramir Johnson or Anthony Grant. It was right. he, he's the third and they were pretty liberal with the oars on there. I mean, Bonner and Liebentritt have an or Borkature and Fedoni. And by the way, they're in alphabetical order. So the oars, if yes. you have an or they don't give somebody like the edge, it's just listed in alphabetical order, which right. is, is the probably the right way to do it i think with in ramirez case ramirez johnson at running back being the number two running back is probably a nod to his versatility um probably you know he's got better hands than the other two guys um he, he is the third down back they have, he's a defined third down back it might be that now we know about anthony struggles this camp with with fumbles he got a, he got a little case of fumbleitis and that knocked him down a peg. But I did not expect him to be number three, Sean. I thought two. Uh, this is your leading rusher from last year. He was the defined starter throughout last season. And here he is to start the season number three. A lot, of new, a lot of new faces on that offensive line showed up too. Uh, Sam Sledge is a number two left guard. Gunnar Gatula, a number two left tackle. Justin Evans Jenkins, who's never been on a depth chart, is now number two center. Um, so that was positive. And Tyler Knack, the transfer from Utah, a number two right tackle. So four completely new faces showing up on that O-line. Well, um, I think Borkature being a co-one with Fedoni. I mean, that gets your attention, but I think it tells you what it tells me. They're going to play with a lot of tight ends. Yeah, Sean, I, I mean, due respect, I expected Borkature to be right there. Right? A co-one? Yeah. Uh, but mean, that I, just tells you they're going to be a lot of 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. I think so. Going back to the offensive line, there's a there's quite a distinction to be made. Those for, that first group of guys is a veteran unit, and then the second group of guys 
are young guys. Uh, I mean, almost all of them, except I would I actually I'd still considered Henry Lutovsky a young guy, even though he's a sophomore with two starts under his belt. It's a it's quite a distinction between those that first group of O linemen and the second group that stood out in my mind. Um, that those were the main things, Sean. And there's a fullback. And by the way, there's a fullback on the depth chart again. And Alex Bullock, okay. number outright number one, and getting a scholarship. So yes, um, at wide receiver. I, I, thought, I thought one of the lines of the press conference because uh, both Bullock brothers got scholarships on this team this August. That he's. I hope their parents went out and bought a car or something. That's what Rule said. Yeah, that was, yeah. Or, or go on vacation. Yeah, that Nebraska took some heat off that that family. Hopefully, so, they're going out to Mahogany Prime in Omaha or somewhere and just getting a big steak to celebrate God, tonight. That sounds good. Exactly right now, that sounds good. Those were the main things, Sean. All right, defensive depth chart. Um, we got our look at that as well. Um, you know, let's start first with the freshman. Cam Linhart comes on there as a co-one with Blaze Gunnerson and um, Rule made the line at the press conference. He's a fake freshman, that, meaning yeah. meaning that he does not look like a freshman. Yeah, that was Reimer. Oh, that, that was, was Reimer's. Yeah, that was a fake that, freshman. Yeah, me. that was Reimer that labeled him a fake fresh freshman. And then there's some guys expanded on it, like Robinson. Ty Robinson said because he's he does he. He's advanced. He's so far advanced in his game. It's I don't know what they're gonna do there. If they're if they'll the question is you, you're playing a Big Ten opponent, Sean. Are you putting him out there against a Big Ten opponent? Or are you gonna go? Are, maybe, would it be safer to play Gunnerson? You know, a fourth year sophomore. Well, Gunnerson's really never played like these kind of snaps, so either he's been really limited over his career. I mean, he's battled some injuries. Mm -hmm, that's true, but he's an older guy. Fourth year sophomore, fourth year in the program, uh, but I it sounds to me like Lenhart's got an edge. That's what it sounds like. Well, and then you know Nick Henrich wins a job outright. You know, coming yeah. off the knee injury that he yeah. did, it would have been real convenient to throw an oar with him. But he 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 won that job. He's won the respect of the locker room. They're not going to do captain voting, but he was a captain. He's the only returning captain on this team from a year ago. Yeah, Henrich playing with a bulky brace. He wasn't cleared to go full go until a couple, three weeks before camp, I believe. And here he is on the one line. I, and I don't know, Sean, I, I, I think about our conversations in the offseason. I don't know that we would have necessarily guessed this, that he would be the defined number one at a linebacker spot. But there he is. And it's a – I mean, he's a dude. And I'll tell you what, he has grown into his body. He's – you see Henrich out there at 6'3", 235. It's a good that's a that's a good looking that's a good looking linebacker, Sean. And you know, those top guys we expected except Javin Wright. I didn't I didn't know if we'd see his name among those top four, but there it is. And then you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Javin Wright, you just didn't hear his name much at all. And I think we all knew who the three top three backers were on the inside, yeah. with Bullock being the third. Right. And it was kind of a mystery. Who was Was it going to be a Gaber or right. Randolph Kapai or right. Snodgrass? Right. No, it's Javin Wright. And right. Now both what, what Javin Wright and John Bullock have in common, they both played safety last year. Yeah. And now they're both linebackers. Yeah, it's interesting. And there were, I mean, there were guys in the media core that, that, we're, we're talking about right like he was still in the secondary. And he, we had to say, no, no, wait a second. No, he's a linebacker. He's been listed as a linebacker on the depth chart. But, again, I think this 3-3-5, it leads a lot of, of 
positional confusion. Yeah. You know, like MJ Sherman, Chief Borders, Jamari Butler, they're a jack linebacker, but they're kind of a defensive end. I mean, they're yeah. they're a money position. They can that's a money position. I mean, that's the position that will make money if you're good at it. The jack position is where you better have dudes. I mean, dudes that can fire off the edge, dudes who can come up and run support and help your defensive line when when they have to. I don't know, Sean. I'm not a, you know, I'm not Bill Parcells, but I, ma- I imagine that there, there's some coverage responsibilities with those guys. So yeah, pass you rushing be, too, though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I said that right off the bat. They got to come off the edge. I mean, they they got it. Those guys are going to be expected to get home, you know. So yeah, big time athletes. Those three guys are big time athletes. All right, one more thing I want to throw in here: Deshaun Singleton, the camp he's had, wins a job outright. Him and Omar Brown. I think a year ago at this time, we kind of thought both those guys would be a bigger factor. Neither ended up being much of a factor in 2022. Clear they will be a factor this year as they weren't even on the field um, for very many key snaps. Um, In fact, Deshaun Singleton, I think, played 67 defensive snaps a year ago. Six games. He got in six games. I think he had four tackles, five tackles, not very many. Now, I will say this about Deshaun Singleton, two things. He's become kind of the talk of, camp late he he's the star of the late stages of preseason camp Deshaun singleton now if you think back to last summer he was he was he was practicing with the first unit a lot last year and then ultimately lost out to marcus buford who's injured and we may not see marcus buford this season he could play up to four games in red shirt so that that, that could be a path for him if he- that could be a path but rule said today you know, you might see him in game five or game six. You might not see him at all, okay? And then Miles Farmer's gone. So here, here, here's Deshaun Singleton's big chance, and he has seized it. You heard, for instance, the running back Gabe Irvin say that when he runs into Singleton, what did Irvin say, Sean? It says, he said it's like running into a linebacker. He's a big guy. He's a big dude. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash Built for us. He's a big dude. All right, let's go. Um, headline number two. Okay. The veterans have made it very clear they want to win now. And, you know, you hear so much about Matt Rule, Steve Sipple, and his blueprint, how it's kind of a three year plan where he's been and the year one's been crummy. Uh, that narrative has changed here. I, I, they're, they're not looking at this like it's Baylor or Temple for him because um, he's walked into a different situation. Yes, this was a four win team last year. Uh, but for their losses, they, they had to lead late in those games, and they, they easily could have been an eight-win team last year. So, I mean, the, the line of four to eight wins is not much. We all know that. We've watched this team enough to know that. And um, you, you get the sense that these guys obviously want to win. Well, of course they do, the veterans. In fact, this is what Matt Rule said earlier this week on his statewide radio show. He said, I don't think it's going to take a long time here because the guys who are, who are in years three – four and five in the program, they desperately want it. And that, that feeling really came through today. I mean, everyone does. I mean, you do, I do, the, the, the city, the state, really, there's a hunger. But 
Reimer met with Rule before the season, and he implored him. We have all these veteran guys. We weren't that far away. We want to win now. And he hoped it wouldn't be like Baylor and Temple. And Rule has said it doesn't have to be. There's, there's guys here to win. And, and you've heard it, Sean, of late. Rule will just say in passing, like he was talking about the way they're doing captains the other day. I don't know if you caught it, but they are going to do game to game captains. And he said, then we'll, then he said, in the postseason, we'll name a, we'll name captains. He just says, he says it very casually. He's done it a couple times in the last eight days. Well, because there's about eight or 10 guys that you could make a case to be a captain. And, and probably all of them are wearing those single digit jerseys, sip. Right. Um, and I, I think, you handicap yourself if you're forcing yourself to name them today. I think by doing this, you, you don't put that C on everyone's chest right away, and you let 10 guys kind of lead that way. And then by the end of the year, it will play out organically who those true captains are. Um, and, and we saw it under Scott Frost. I mean, I think they named captains early on some of these teams, and, and maybe the wrong guys were the captains um, in situations where you know there were other leaders that emerged that weren't captains. And um, with this team, I, th I don't know if truly – Everybody knows who the true leaders are going to be, and, and you want to see how guys react in live bullets. Yeah, we'll see that on Thursday night. All right, let's um, take it to headline number three. Gabe Irvin Jr. seeks the bell cow role at running back. What a story he's been. He's up to 225 pounds, looks like a Big Ten running back, um, won the job in camp with his consistency, his work ethic, everything he's brought to the table. Ramir Johnson, too, as we talked about, and Anthony Grant, three. Emmett Johnson um, is your four. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued, Steve Sipple, to see what Ramir Johnson's going to look like in Minneapolis. In, in, in Gabe, you're talking about Gabe Irvin. Or, I'm, sorry, yeah, in, I'm sorry, Gabe Irvin in Minneapolis, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think I have a pretty good idea what he's going to look like. I mean, he's a he's a straight-ahead runner, not a, lot of, not a lot of sizzle, but he'll, he'll – I mean, he'll take on linebackers, take on safeties if he gets to the third level. Obviously, look at him. I mean, just look what, what look what you're dealing. It's a big with. boy. Yeah, I mean, so I, I I have a pretty good handle on Gabe Irvin. I have a really good ha handle on Ramirez, and I have a good handle on Anthony Grant. And I like that room. What Gabe Irvin said is they want to be the best. They want to be the best set of running backs in the Big Ten. They think they have that sort of potential. They are all what I like about them. Was well, a lot I like. I'm not saying they're crazy talented. I'm not. I don't. I'm not. They're not. I don't think that's the case. Now they could prove me wrong, but I know this: they are all three men. You got men in that room. I mean, look at him. Now he's the youngest guy, third-year guy. Ramir is a fifth-year guy, right? Um, Anthony Grant's 24 years old. These are grown men in those top three spots. I love that. I just love that. And. You know, it's a punishing position. Those guys are all a little bit different. You know, Anthony Grant does have a little shake, but he's he can he can run over you too. Ramirez got great straight line speed and some shake. He's a big play threat, catches the ball better than the other two. So there, there's there's some versatility, but the main thing is is their maturity and physically mature, mentally mature guys. It will be interesting if there is a set rotation though. Will if it's third and passing do they automatically put ramir johnson it in? sounds like it because it, if you listen to rule last saturday the thing that gabe has to work on it are his hands um anthony anthony catched the ball pretty well 
But I no, I think you got a pretty defined third down back in Ramir Johnson. So my question is, will there even be a plan to get Anthony Grant in this game? Good question. And you know, will a lot of that just depend on how Urban's looking? I think so. I you know, like I think what you're getting at here, which is sort of an interesting question, is who is the early down number two back? If if you know what I'm saying on the third series, if they want to go to somebody on first down and take Gabe out, who is it? Is it Ramir or is it Anthony Grant? That's what I'm. That's what I'm really wondering. Or is Ramir just a very defined third down guy? Well, I think people forget Gabe was the starter in 2021. I mean, this yes, is a guy who went through a terrible injury last year, just didn't get his opportunities because of um, you know the, the injury coming off of it. So he, you give this kid a lot of credit the way oh, yeah. he's come oh, back, and you know he, he's always impressed me. Last year we did those interviews. This is leadership. You could sense. Oh yeah, like he had his stuff together. Well, yeah, and more specifically, Sean, he loves the game. And he's he is. I remember last year he was the guy that I said he was like a horse kicking the stall, like like he was like a racehorse that was kicking the stall. He just wants to play so bad. Those are the Gabe Irvin is the all three of those guys are the type of guy you want. They all are football players that love the game. And, and Sean, I mean, I I think some people listen and go, wait a second, aren't all those guys football players who love the game? Not necessarily, and some definitely love it more than others. And these guys, all three, love it. Well, and I think Urban wasn't a great fit for the Mark Whipple system. I mean, Mark Whipple's offense wasn't built on the patience of three to five yard power runs. <laughs> I mean, it was built on don't get me started eighty yard throws to Trey Palmer. Yeah. I mean, it just it just didn't have where I think this offense is going to be more like a sledgehammer hitting a wall, and it's, it's going to take several hits before it breaks. What I want to see him is run with more patience than he did as a freshman. If you remember Gabe Irvin as a freshman, he started two games. He he was pretty – Oklahoma, he started to look good before he got hurt. Yeah, he was going, he was going on a long run when he hurt his knee. But he was a little impatient, um, ran, into, ran into blockers sometimes. Um, I want to see a little bit more patient, 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 then, then hit it, then hit it. And that's sometimes on those zone plays. That's what you're looking for. All right. Before we get into headline number four, this show and segment brought to you by Better Help. Sometimes life, we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Uh, we're in the middle of football season. Kids are back in activities, school. You're trying to just juggle a lot of life and it's not easy. Um, so whether you're dealing with this decisions around your career, relationships or anything else, therapy is your way to stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything else the more you practice the easier it gets if you're thinking about starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists for no additional charge let therapy be your map with better help Visit betterhelp.com slash Husker to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Husker. Once again, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Um, but let's close on um, some Minnesota talk here okay. in headline four before we bring in Jim Rose. Um, first of all, I, I want to, th this just came out from Brett McMurphy. Um, the Big Ten is going to, it sounds like they're going to pass something that. Uh, up to two hours before kickoff, schools are going to now be forced to release their availability reports. What do you think of that? Is that, I mean, is, 
I don't know what to think of it. This is the first time I've ever thought about it. Um, what's the, I mean, my, uh, the natural first question is why gambling. I, I mean, <laughs> maybe I mean, it's, but big 10 will work. Uh -huh, hold on. Oh, hold that thought. So you're suggesting, and you might be right that they're doing it for the sake of gamblers. Yeah, I don't know. But that's big, wonderful. That's big Big Ten will require its football programs to release player availability availability reports. Couldn't get that out. Uh, two hours before each conference kickoff, pending on approval by the league schools. Uh, sources told Action Network for, first reported by Andy Greider. I'd be shocked if this does not pass. Okay, now I want to get back to the other question: Why? Why? Why is this happening? What's the reasoning? And what's the penalty if you don't cooperate? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, Bill, remember Bill Snyder? Yeah. Like, there was a quarterback he had at Kansas State named Jesse Ernst mm -hmm. who, like, literally, like, needed, like, shoulder or knee surgery. He dressed him out and had him go through warm-ups with, like, a severe injury just to make Gary Patterson think this guy was going to play. What I'm – yeah, that's uh, – That's Bill remarkable. Snyder. Yeah, that's Bill Snyder. I think you're right, Sean. I mean, I think this is – this is a move to, I don't know, be transparent for the sake of gamblers. Now, think about this conversation in the context of what's happening at Iowa and Iowa State. I'm just thinking, yeah, hold the Iowa-Iowa State jokes here. My God. I mean, that's... Right. And then think about it in the context of what you'll, you'd hear, for instance, Matt Rule tell you about how they emphasize, they emphasize, they hammer it into guys. They make them sign a waiver. You can't gamble. Nothing. You can't do it. Don't. Th that is taboo. You can't touch it. Okay, wait a second, though. We've created a rule where it's for gamblers. There's a lot of mixed messages in college sports, Sean. There's a lot of them. It's yeah, I don't more and more. I don't know any other reason why you need that information out there. I don't. I can't because we've anything. never done it before. Right. I mean, and it's Who's it's that not for the sake of. And know? it's not Thursday before the game. It's two hours before kickoff. Yeah, I can't say that I really give a damn about it it's just it's just sort of interesting in the context of this wave of gambling news we have coming out of the state of iowa and the concerns about gambling affecting the integrity of the sport <laughs> and here we are you know doing you know changing a rule that's significant right away here for this season, that's bizarre. By the way, we just added another pregame content piece. Robin's gonna have to do in every game now, two hours before kickoff, when that email comes. What we'll the you know, every news outlet's gonna write that, put the that availability out. report, the availability. And yeah. I mean, and you're looking for who's not on it, yeah. Well, yeah, who's not, I mean, right? Is that I, what you see what I'm saying? Are they gonna list the players that aren't available? Like, it got to the point, and I always thought this was weird that Nebraska stopped releasing the travel roster. Why, why was that even? I don't know. I don't know. Mainly because the media made a big deal about who trapped, but that that also would let you know who was healthy and not. Because so you envision a list of players who aren't available. But again, a travel roster should clear that up in the Big Ten because you're not going to travel unavailable players typically. Right. Really, really interesting. All right, let's get on Minnesota though here before okay. we get Jim Rose in the show. Yeah. Um, we heard Matt Rule talk about this game. Yes. Um, it's a fourth year in a row they've opened with a conference game. Mm -hmm. It's the fourth year in a row they've opened out of Memorial Stadium. Um, when you go back to Ireland, Illinois, and then Columbus, Ohio, and now Minneapolis, um, this is a big game. There's no, there's no other way to say. It. I mean, this is a huge game for Matt Rule to open his era at Nebraska. It's a huge game for PJ Fleck. Um, 
it's you know it's nationally televised night game on Thursday. Everybody will be a lot. College football fans will be watching. As far as Minnesota goes, Rule had an excellent quote this week about Minnesota that tells you not only a lot about Minnesota. It gives you a kind of a preliminary vision in your mind about Minnesota, but also tells you how he wants Nebraska to play. Now we'll get into more breakdowns, right, Sean? About this week, yeah. On next Minnesota. week, we'll hit in the we'll hit in the fine tuning on our next week's shows. But, but yeah, this is what Matt Rule said this week about Minnesota. I was fascinated by this. Matt Rule, this is a direct quote: Minnesota plays football the way Nebraska did for many years. It's the way we want to play. They run the football. They don't turn the ball over. They win the turnover battle. They're fifty percent on third down. On offense, on defense, they don't give up big plays. They stop the run. They're one of the best third down defenses. They end up winning time of possession. They make it a physical battle. And they try to win the game in the fourth quarter. That is the recipe to win. I respect that. That's the way Matt Rule wants. That's the way Matt Rule wants to win. He has great respect for PJ Fleck. Considers him a friend. I wonder sometimes when he's saying that what Nebraska fans think. Um, I guess. It didn't bother me any. Yeah, the previous head coach here we know was, was not a fan of P.J. Fleck. They, oh. they they were not hanging out at the conventions together. No, not at all. So Matt is a friend of P.J. And P.J. Fleck doesn't have – I mean, I wouldn't say he's a real popular guy in the coaching circles. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. But popular, as we we talk about this sometimes, Sean, popular is an eighth-grade notion. Respect is the key. Do other coaches respect P.J.? I have to think they do. I mean, his record is his record. His teams are tough, tough-minded teams that don't beat themselves. The thing about this game, Sean, is that the thing that hit me driving to Omaha last night to speak at Holy Ghost was the toughest thing about this game, in my opinion, is Nebraska's going to have to win it, meaning Minnesota won't give it to you. Do you see what I'm saying? Nebraska will have to earn this win. It won't be handed to them. That's tough. That's a tough limited one. possessions too. Yeah. You got to wrestle it away. You know how you know what I'm talking about. There's teams that are more apt to screw it up. Nebraska's been that team, frankly. Just just hand a hand hand a, like hand Wisconsin to win last year. You know, this could be a two hour and forty minute game. Could be. I mean, with the way the clock's gonna run, not stop on first downs, limited possessions. Um, you know, this game starts at seven. There's a pretty good chance it's gonna be over by ten before ten. I think it will be, a and you know, although TV might step in on that a little bit. But yeah, these new rules—I I don't think we really know what they're going to do, but I think it's going to bring games down closer to three hours. Yeah, that's—I think now. I think that's welcome, but whatever. It's not—I don't—I'm not passionate about that subject. Whatever. I never. The length of the games never bothered me too much, unless it got to in that that three-hour, forty-five-minute range. I thought that was a little bit. I thought that was a little much. All right, let's close the show. Now, headline number five and back by popular demand here, Steve Sipple on the Husker Online YouTube channel, a very popular 2022 guest rejoining us here to kick off 2023. Let's welcome in Jim Rose of KFAB, former Husker play-by-play announcer, historian. Rosie, it's great to have you back on the channel and in the show. Uh, looking forward to other football season. Fellas, I can't believe it's already here. It's great to be here, and uh, there's a buzz of excitement around uh, Memorial Stadium. I mean, no place else in the world is a 100-year-old person this popular. But man, oh man, she is, and this is a big year. 
Well, Rosie, um, yeah, let, let's get into that. I mean, there, there's a lot going on with Matt Rule coming in. You've been around a lot of Nebraska football. What is your, where does your anticipation level of this season um, rank for you? Anytime there's a new head coach, I think there's a genuine level of excitement. Uh, there's a little bit of apprehension, a little anxiety when you change. Uh, but thinking about this entire offseason, it's, it's such a testament to the resilience of Nebraska football fans. Uh, we've had 23 pretty sad seasons, a little bit of a break here and there with a, a conference championship game appearance, but this is a resilient bunch. And for them to have this level of excitement after really a generation of not winning says a lot about uh, the character of this fan base. Uh, but everything looks right. There aren't any questions about this hire. And I think it's a function of two things, Sean. Number one, it's a function of Trev Alberts. Uh, this guy has universal confidence in the Husker Nation and from the Husker Nation. And I, I think they feel really strongly that because of the dismissal of Scott Frost early on last year, he was literally able to take as much time as he needed to fully vet all candidates. We talked about it on a week-to-week -week basis, and some of them were in the orbit closer to the mothership than others. But there is universal uh, appreciation for this hire. So with all of that said and the hard work that they put in in the offseason and the really remarkable recruiting work that they did in such short order, I can understand why people are excited. And this is one of the easier schedules that Nebraska's had in a number of years, and that also foretells of optimism. Jim, okay, beyond the schedule, and let's, just talk, let's not talk about – let's talk about the human being aspect of this. What makes you confident – let's just say three things that make you confident in Matt Rule that you've – that you have uh, ascertained? Number one, Sip, he's a process guy. He's not a results guy. He's a process guy. Great coaches are wed to process. Results are very, very challenging, but process is not. You are in complete control of your preparation and your process. He's also a motivational leader. Uh, he doesn't just walk in and say things. He truly lives and embodies all of the things that he's trying to teach these guys. He's also a detail guy. I believe head coaches today can't be coaches as much as they are managers and leaders. And you surround yourself with people who act out your belief system. And his belief system is you cannot handle big things if you don't master little things. And we all know what's happened in this program over the last 23 years. The little things started to drift and that turned into big things on Saturday. So he has a proven track record of doing this at two other schools and I firmly believe that he's going to put the same process in place here. He's going to be very adaptable to the Big Ten because he's a Big Ten guy. This is a Penn State guy. He mm -hmm. knows the culture of this conference. He knows what it takes to win in it. And then you throw his record of achievement in, in the mix, and that's what gives me a lot of belief that this is the right guy. Well, speaking of Big Ten, Big Ten they'll open at Minnesota, Jim. A uh, really tough road uh, game to open up a, a tenure at Nebraska. You've got a unique knowledge of Minnesota because you had a son, Jackson, who played college for Minnesota. You're a Husker. Um, I mean, what's this game? Uh, first of all, who's your son rooting for? Uh, he's pulling for the Gophers. I, I lost him years ago. I mean, it's no chance anymore. I mean, he's, he's gone. Uh, and then I got an old Miss daughter, so how am I supposed to cope with that? I'll be darned. I'll be darned. <laughs> uh, it is a solid program. Uh, it's a solid athletic department. Uh, this athletic director, Mark Coyle, has been there. Uh, he has the he has a genuine respect at the highest level of the administration at U of M, and they have elite facilities, 
This is his sixth year, I believe, P.J. Fleck's sixth year. So he's into his second full recruiting cycle, took full advantage of the COVID extra years to build up experience, but also give his younger guys a chance to grow into the program. He's a developmental coach. He's not going to get ready-made athletes, certainly not ready-made linemen, so he has to turn them into guys. He's done that. Uh, I like this quarterback. I think Ethan Callie-Akmanis is underrated. What he did at the end of last year was impressive. He's got two really outstanding targets in Chris Otman Bell and in uh, Brevin Smith-Ford. These guys are going to be in the National Football League uh, unless they suffer serious injuries. And he's brought in some transfers, some guys that he feels good about, very productive FCS-level dudes. Uh, but he's built that program from the inside out. Uh, he has linemen that um, have developed in his system. And even though I think P.J. really likes to throw the ball uh, philosophically, I think he'd like to go up and down the field throwing the ball, he knows that to win in this conference, you have to limit possessions. If he can limit the other team to seven or eight possessions, that's a win for him. And defensively, those guys are super sound. So from a Nebraska standpoint, it'd be much better to probably play these guys in October than the first game of the year, uh, because I just think Minnesota is going to be further along in its system than Nebraska will be for the first game. But that said, this thing goes into the fourth quarter with Nebraska's big play guys. Anything's possible. Jim Rose, you are the voice of the Nebraska football team. You are. I listen to you every morning on KFAB. Oh, you're a hero. God bless you. A passionate fan. Um, so when you settle in to your easy chair Thursday night and watch this game, <laughs> what are a few things you want to see? I mean, what do you want to see from Matt Rule's first game as Nebraska head coach? Well, I'm like most football fans, Sip, I think, around Nebraska, and that is I start on the line and move out. So we look at this offensive line. This is actually a pretty experienced collection of guys. It is. Now, it's a new system, but you figure Corcoran's in his fourth year. Uh, Newely is in his fifth year. Ben Scott's a fifth-year guy, even though he's transferred, but he was brought in because of his experience. Piper, very experienced. He's a captain. Ben Hart, very experienced. Now, I don't know that the depth is there, especially with Teddy Prohaska's injury issues, but that's a pretty experienced offensive line meaning they should be able to make some good adjustments. I hope we don't have major breakdowns on the offensive line. We all know what trouble this program has had the last few years protecting the quarterback. To that end, no doubt, I think there's th this offensive game plan is going to be to run the football. Two backs in there. Uh, I like that trio of backs. I mm -hmm. really like Ramir Johnson. I think he's really capable of being a, a terrific third down back and a really capable kind of of weapon for this program because the receivers are relatively inexperienced. They have a new quarterback they've never worked with before. The experienced receivers are not in this program now. So offensive line moving down the field, trying to keep the, the chains progressing and trying to hold the ball for a while. That's number one. I'm, I'm anxious to see how Tony white adjusts his three, three, five defense to a run oriented league. I think over time he's going to get exactly the athletes he wants, but a 3-3-5 against the run is a little tricky in some cases. He came from the ACC, which I think we can all agree is largely a passing league, into a running league, especially this schedule this year for Nebraska. Uh, I like some of the guys on defense. Luke Reimer has a real good chance of being the second all-time leading tackler in the history of the program. That's hard to believe. You know, you usually equate – you know, the losing seasons we've had with a guy that close to the top of the record books. But I think Isaac Gifford has a chance if he stays healthy to have an all-conference season. This defense is perfectly suited for him. 
So I'm looking for him to have a big game. I'm really excited about Gifford. I'm really excited about MJ Sherman, obviously a very highly touted transfer. And then the other guy, uh, I, I mean, you, you talk about a chance to have a consistently good season. And Ty Robinson is that guy. He's got a tremendous amount of ability, but he needs to, he needs to have his motor running on every down. And maybe this change of, of coaching staff will motivate him to do that. But there's some material on the, that defense. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Nick Henrich is a good football player. He's just had a lot of injuries. So let's see how long it takes for them to really get into the groove of this defense. And if there are trouble signs during the game, and there probably will be, mm-hmm. are they going to give up on it and say, oh, I mean, this doesn't work. I'm going to revert back to my old way. How much trust and faith do they have in the system? And if they have some success, especially in the first half of the game, I think that 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 seed will be planted and it will grow throughout the year. And then when we get to November, I think you're going to be much, much happier with the consistent play of this defense once they get into the groove. As we wrap things up with Jim Rose, I want to ask you some university things too, Jim. Uh, 100th anniversary, you mentioned the stadium. We know October 5th, some major announcements are going to be made about the future of Memorial Stadium, renovation plans. Uh, we know the price tag is three to $500 million on the, on the region meeting list that they came out with a while back. You've been involved in heavy fundraising with Nebraska and for other organizations for years. How does Nebraska? I mean, how does how does Nebraska get that money and come up with the money? And and what are you envisioning for this plan at Memorial Stadium? I think the the master strategic plan is is really a broad a broad headline, fellows, which is game day experience. The idea is we have to create a carnival like atmosphere with a really exciting place so that folks will give up their basement and come back down to grandma. Uh, that's the key. Uh, it can't just be plank seats and a, and a PA system. It's got to be a real <laughs> carnival. And I'm very, very excited about some of the things I've heard. I don't know exactly what it is, but some of the things I've heard, and this is Trev and uh, President Carter and the Regents' idea, even though Ted Carter's not going to be around past this season, they, they see what's happening in college sports. They see what's happening in professional sports. And they have to say, hey, if we're going to ask people to buy a ticket, pay for parking, make a contribution to get into the stadium, this has to be, this has to be a Taylor Swift concert every single Saturday. Hmm. Uh, the band has to be better. The, 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 the videos have to be more compelling. Everything has to be better because you're putting on a show. So they're going to invest in this facility as a means to reintroduce game days in Lincoln. The best way to do that is to win. But knowing that this conference, especially starting next year, is going to be extremely difficult and very hard for anybody to win 9, 10, or 11 games, you got to make it an exciting game day. So you're going to see green space and tailgate opportunities. My guess is, just based on what's happened around the country, you're going to see green space. You're going to see tailgate opportunities. You're going to see elite tailgate kinds of opportunities. You're going to see a really comfortable stadium with sight lines all over the place and a chance to move around indoor facilities. So when the weather gets bad, you can go in and get, you know, uh, your favorite beverage, you know, uh, at halftime or the end of the quarter. But I don't think Nebraska is unique. I think this is the plan for a lot of people. And how are they going to pay for it? Well, when you're starting at $71 million a year from the Big Ten Network, that's a good place. But Nebraskans will invest in this if they see it, if they can feel it, if they can imagine it, and if they, if they, they really sense that this is something they're going to want to do. The next generation, the younger guys, the guys that are between 40 and 55, 35 and 55, 
That's the place they want to go. And, uh, and they now have high expectations about spending entertainment dollars. So I'm really excited about it. I think it's cool for this to happen in the 100th year of the stadium, which is an iconic place to Nebraskans. And I'm excited about what, what may transpire. And when you look at some of the teams that are going to be coming into that place in the next 10, 15, 20 years, as long as this Big Ten conference exists, then you, this is a place you're going to want to be. Last one from me, Jimmy. You, you referenced Ted Carter, who has taken a, the president's job at Ohio State. Now, the, I have a very specific question. Hank Bounds was a sports-minded president. Ted Carter was a sports-minded president. Is it incumbent on Nebraska to, to go in that direction again with this next hire? No question, Sip. I think it's, I think it's the, the single pivotal uh, metric that they have to, to plug in here. Ron Roskins was the first president Nebraska ever. Well, that's not exactly true. Clifford Hardin, okay. uh, who was chancellor of the University of Nebraska Lincoln campus, and then Dr. Roskins. Okay. These were the first two guys that recognized sports is the largest picture window the rest of the world looks through to see Nebraska. And we have to ensure that this is our best look. When somebody walks past that picture and looks in, we want it to be really good. Clifford Harden believed that. That's how he dumped three other candidates and went to get Bob Devaney. Ron Roskins was extremely supportive of Coach Osborne during his tenure there. And Ted Carter, as you mentioned, uh, with Hank Bounds, both sort of reintroduced that importance to uh, the university when they took those positions. You have to realize, and some may, especially academics, may find this to be a bit repulsive, that sports is so important at a university. What about the chemistry department? What about research? All of that stuff is important too. But from an external standpoint, your athletics programs are the front door to your university. And if you are successful in sports, just look around at some of the college basketball teams that have soared. If you're really good in sports, that will inspire support for other things. Because if you're really good on Saturday, people are going to want to be really good Sunday through Friday, too. And uh, I firmly believe that if Nebraska can get back to that elite level or at least a contending level, that's going to inspire support for all facets of the U. And if you get a chief executive who believes that and then inspires confidence to Trev Alberts, who then inspire it to the coaches and the support staff, now you got a winner. And guess what? We know what it looks like. We did it that way for 50 years. Yep. Well, Rosie, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a, it was a fun year last year. Looking forward to catching up with you throughout the football season again this year. It'd be great, fellas. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, go Big Red. All right. Thanks again to Jim Rose for joining us here. Uh, always a great job with Jim He Rose. mentioned uh, those, those presidents from the past. And I, I do remember Ronald Roskins because I was in school at that time, Sean. And he and Osborne had a tremendous relationship. And Roskins would be a would be an example of a president that showed up to practice. Um, if you knew his personality, it jibed with Tom's. I mean, I Roskins, there that was definitely a thing. Um, I'm not old enough to remember Clifford Harden, but I, Jimmy's right. It's an interesting question. Does it? I mean, Jimmy answered it emphatically. I wondered how he'd answer the question: Is does Nebraska? need once again a sports-minded president hank bounds sports-minded ted carter sports-minded you have to do that well jim's answer was an emphatic yes well that wraps it up here for this edition of husker on the line headlines reminder next week a um, little bit different schedule because of the game uh, headlines will go on tuesday so 
Uh, we'll get that up so you have plenty of time to get it. Maybe catch on your drive up to Minneapolis Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but once again, check out HuskerOnline.com. We've got a great promo right now running through the weekend of the Minnesota game. Get 50% off your annual membership or your first month for $1. That's simply at HuskerOnline.com. For Steve Sippel, I'm Sean Callahan.